Well, thank you for being here again and welcome as we uh, continue. Now, we're doing a study of a prophet by the name of Elijah. And if you've been part of this for the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, it's been an interesting, I think it's been a fascinating study to look at this prophet by the name of Elijah. Now, we kind of subtitled this series, Faith in Turbulent Times. And if you look at the life of Elijah, he, he lived at a time where things were really really difficult. You know, he lived at a time where the political picture was really ugly. There was a succession of at least six evil kings. So the, the, the nation of Israel at the time was an incredible turmoil. Like, it was just very difficult time. Um, there was idolatry that was running rampant. You know, this nation that was established by God as an outpost for um, you know, the light of Yahweh and to point people to the true God and, and all of those things that happen in a pluralistic society. Well, the nation had, had failed miserably in being devoted to Yahweh exclusively. And not only that, but what, what, what else happens is, is the, 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 the physical, agricultural, economic, you know, standing of that particular um, nation was in incredible turmoil as well. You know, they were suffering through a drought at this particular time. And this drought had lasted for three years, uh, you know, and three years plus. So uh, a real, a real difficult time for the, for the nation of Israel. And you know that, you know, a drought at that particular time is, is, is just threatening, not only to the economic Balance, but to the life and death, you know, component that existed at that time. There was there were people that, because of the drought, were actually dying. It was it was a, a very difficult difficult time, just because they had no rain. Now, I'm, you know, many of you probably in the last couple of weeks, and you're going to see it again this week, have have a lot of parallels to what is happening right now in our world. I would I would say the drought in Israel is very equal in many ways, to the pandemic. Many people have suffered through this pandemic. Businesses have closed. You know, there's all kinds of turmoil happening. So um, I hope that you're getting encouraged with what we can learn from the faith of Elijah and how we can apply it to our lives today. So we're going to continue with um, uh, a very interesting passage, again, as we continue the story of Elijah. But I want to begin by asking you a question. If, um, if, if a total stranger was to eavesdrop on your private prayers to God, you didn't know they were listening to you, what do you think they would hear? What, what would they learn about your faith, and what would they learn about the God that you're praying to? So if you didn't have anybody... Um, you know, like if you had somebody eavesdropping on your prayers and you didn't know it, what do you think they would hear? What do you think they would learn in those things? Because here's, here's my conviction. I think when we pray, there is two things that if somebody was hearing us pray, there are two things that are very important that, that they're going to learn about, about our prayer life. Number one is the character and nature of God what we believe about God. 
I think that's number one. Do we believe that, that God is powerful? Do we believe that he's just someone that we're talking to because we just got to get it off our chest and he's the only one that's going to listen and all that kind of stuff? So what do we believe about God? And also, are people going to, as they listen to our prayers, are they going to learn something about the depth of our faith? You know, are we praying just because we want to be heard? Is we praying because we want something at a very difficult time? Or are we praying because we're, we're experiencing a relationship with God? And it's not because we're praying because we want to ask God for stuff, but we're praying because we're establishing communication and a relationship with God. So I think those two components are really important. You know, what do we believe about God? And, you know, what, what is demonstrated as, as the depth of our faith when we pray? So those are the two things that um, I believe if someone was to listen to our prayers privately and we didn't know they were listening, those are two things they would learn about as, as they witness our prayer life. So that's my question to you. You know, when you pray, do these things come into play at all? And is, are, are, these, are these good things for, are these the good things that you're communicating about your prayer life? And in fact, that's a, a, a good, good couple of questions to ask internally about your prayer life. Am I, what do I believe about God and why am I praying? And what does it say about my faith in the way that I pray? Okay, now I ask those really important questions because we are going to look at a prayer that Elijah offers up. And this is really important because last week we saw Elijah do something really incredible with the prophets of Baal and how he won this victory where God, you know, came and incredible uh, demonstration of his power, you know, took the offering and absolutely, you know, took the entire thing and smote it in one quick you know, firebrand and, and demonstrated his power over, over the bales. And at the very beginning of chapter 18, God says, I'm going to send rain. And now no other details are given, but after this, this amazing experience that Baal has, that, that Elijah has with the Baal prophets, he now goes into this particular section afterwards and it's, and it's an interesting prayer. And we're going to unpack this prayer a little bit because it's vitally important. And as many of you know, you know, the prayers in the Bible are, are very different than how we're typically taught how to pray or how we typically pray in, in, in our culture today. So these prayers are vitally important for us to get a sense of what it is that, that moves the heart of God when we pray. Okay? So we're going to start at verse 41 of chapter 18. And I want to read this section, then we're going to you know, unpack a little bit f- with it. And hopefully, when you walk away today, you're going to learn something about prayer that's really important and kind of the tensions that exist when we pray, all right? Then Elijah said to Ahab, now Ahab is the evil king. He's, he's just a horrible human being, and he's, he's brought a lot of you know, problems to the nation of Israel as their king. But Elijah says to him, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, if you heard last week, was the place where they had this 
this kind of competition with the Baal prophets and, and Elijah won. So we went back up the mountain and, and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. So this is, this is a, a, a fascinating introduction to, to something that happens you know, immediately after the, uh, the contest with the Baal prophets. And it's the posture that Elijah takes. And, and what is really interesting is that Elijah prayed with humility. Okay, We talk about humility quite a bit as a characteristic that every Christian needs to adopt. But here is Elijah who's, 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 who's just you know, come out of this amazing victory. And the first thing he does is he goes back and he, and he, and he gets into this posture where he humbles himself low to the ground, actually puts his face between his knees in a, in a kind of fetal position to show a total surrender to God. And this is, a, this is a position of humility. It's not just a prayer of humility. It's a position of humility as well. That he's, he's demonstrating that even after this incredible victory, he could have easily you know, gotten bragging rights. He could have easily said, see, I was right. He could have easily have gone, look what, what, what God was able to do through me in this kind of mighty proclamation because it's a very significant thing that God did do, you know, using the prophet Elijah, but he doesn't. In fact, he comes in this, in this incredible, humble posture and praying to God. You know, in, in the book of James, James 4, and in, 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 in some ways, I think James, um, when he's writing his epistle many, many years later, is actually reflecting back on the life of Elijah. And some of the things that he says is kind of in, in keeping with what we're seeing about the prophet Elijah. You know, James write in 4, 6, and 6b and 10, he said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That God, now think about that. God actually opposes the proud. If you're a person that's, you know, proud and you think everything's happening because of your own abilities and your own strength and God's using you mightily, God's not going to like that. Okay? But he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And, and, and listen to what, Peter, what James says here. And humble yourselves before the Lord, and the Lord will lift you up. Now, that's the, that's, that's the paradox, eh? That's the contrast, that when you humble yourself before the Lord, that the Lord will lift you up, that the Lord will carry you, that the Lord will, will you know, put you in a, in a place and in, in some places, there's, there's a sense that you share the, in, in some ways uh, the honor of being used by God and the glory that he gets, right, comes back on you through that, through that humility. But something about pride that kind of elevates us and does something to other people that God doesn't appreciate, not just to God, but to other people. Pride is a big problem. And Elijah is this humble servant of God who has done this incredible, um, you know, contest with the, with the Baal prophets. And yet he doesn't use that at all as look at how great I am 
Instead, is look at how great God is. Now, let me, let me move on to the next point as, as, as part of this. So we, we've got the prayer of Elijah in humility. And then he, he's got his servant with him. And then he says to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times, seven times, Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Now, when I was working through this message, in fact, I'll be honest with you. When I was working through this message, there was a couple of things that really nagged at me, you know, going through this. And, and you know, I'll talk about the second one in a minute. But this, when I got to this particular point, I thought to myself, you know, I'm writing the life group stuff out and I'm writing the message out and I'm going, the first thing I wrote down is that Elijah's persistent, okay? That, that he's, he's persistent in his prayers, you know? And I thought to myself, and I wrote that down, and I thought I was just going to move on and go off from there. And for some reason, it just kept nagging me, okay? Well, so what if he's persistent, okay? Because in some ways, it's, it's a little bit of nagging, okay? Like, is, is Elijah nagging at this point in time, if you talk about persistence, okay? And, and it, it did. It nagged me, you know, just writing that out. But here's, here's what I think what is really going on. And you can argue with me. You can, you know... Discuss it in life groups. I think it's an important thing to discuss. But what's happening here is something that happens to each and every one of us when we pray. Elijah's been told that God is going to send rain, that that rain is coming. We know that at the very beginning of chapter 18, even before the whole contest with the Baal prophets. So when when the servant comes back, you know, Elijah says, you know, go and look out the horizon, see, you know, if you can see a cloud or anything. When the servant comes back and says, I don't see anything, what happens is what happens to each and every one of us. That at that moment, Elijah has a choice to make. Do I believe what God told me? Or do I believe what the servant is physically seeing in the moment? We've, we've been in that place. Many, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been in that place where I know what God's word says or I know what God has, has spoken into my life or I know what you know, the spirit of God has been prompting me in my own heart, in my own life. And yet I don't necessarily see the physical or the practical outworkings of what God has, has, has communicated. And, it's, and you kind of get to a point, do I, do I believe what what I prayed and how God answered or what the word of God says about, you know, a particular ethical or moral situation or something, or, 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 or do I believe what I see is happening in the culture all around me? Or in the case of Elijah and the servant, the servants, you know, come back and say, there isn't a, like, there's no cloud. There's no rain coming. Are you sure? And, and instead of Elijah saying, wow, well, I don't know what to say then. Instead, what Elijah says, no, you know, I believe God. I believe that what God communicated and what God's going to do is what God's going to do. And I believe and trust God. So he makes the servant go back seven times. Seven times. And seven times, Elijah makes a choice. I'm going to believe God. 
And I know that at some point, God is going to answer, and the servant's going to see it too. Now, again, I want to, I want to back up on that point. I think that's, that's a really important point. Because there's so many times in our lives where we have some kind of, you know, physical or social or, or moral dilemma that's right in front of us. And we're seeing how it's played out, or we're seeing what people say, or we're seeing the physical nature of it, or the lack of it for whatever, you know, for whatever reason. And yet we hold in this other hand the truth of God, and we hold in this other hand what God has said about these situations, or what God's communicated to our own lives. And we're caught with this kind of choice that we have to make. Where am I going to believe? Where does where my faith lie? Where, where am I going to place my trust in that moment? And, 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 you know, that's a really important decision to make. And there's many times, many times, where people have leaned into, you know, this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm feeling right now, or that's what I'm seeing right now. And in the end, they miss out on what God has said about it, or what God has promised about it, and they miss out because they didn't trust God at a moment where it was critical and important because obedience does precede blessing. And I, and I believe that, you know, that for most of our lives, obedience is the path to blessing. Obedience is the path where, you know, God recognizes that we're trusting in Him and the blessings come because, because of that, you know. So, you know, I kind of rubbed out the whole, you know, He persistently prayed which is good. You know, it's not necessarily a bad point. But what I think is more important to recognize in this particular section is that Elijah prayed with an expectant faith. That he expected God to answer what he had told the prophet. That God doesn't lie. We might not be comfortable with the timing of it. But if God has spoken that into our lives, that at some point God's going to answer it. And a lot of times he may just be postponing the demonstration of it in order to see whether or not we're going to trust him with what he has told us. Or are we just going to capitulate to what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're not, you know, not seeing as evidence in our lives? It just, it's got all kinds of potential problems that, that, you know, and I've said many times, God is more interested in our faith than the practical realities of our lives. That is such an important and a key thing. And here in the case of Elijah, no matter how many times he sent the servant back, the servant, you know, would say, you know, six out of the seven times, I don't see anything. I don't, you know, the last time he says, guess what? There's an inkling about the size of a man's hand, this cloud in the distance. And for Elijah right away, he knew, yeah, God is beginning to answer in a really powerful way. And a lot of times, that's what happens, is that God opens the door in a very slight way, or in a a small way, that kind of says, yeah, I'm glad I trusted God, because I can see you know, the markings of his blessing and of his promise starting to happen in my life with that. And that's the difference of praying with an expectant 
faith. Again, you know, I love what James says in James 5, 16. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then it goes on to say, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a person who trusted God, sending his servants seven times back to say, nah, I'm trusting God. You've got to look harder. <laughs> You've got to see it. And of course, that's what happens. Here's the, here's the next section of this passage that we want to talk about. Then Elijah shouted, you know, as, as, as the servant said, hey, there's a, you know, the, the inklings of a cloud in the distance. Hurry to Ahab, he says, and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. So this is going to tell you just the kind of downpour that, that is going to come. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Here's, here's Elijah getting you know, supernatural powers to kind of run alongside um, Ahab in this, in this particular, particular thing. Now, I started this message, you know, making a couple of points about prayers. And I think at this juncture, I want to make the statement again, especially in the life of Elijah. Elijah, his prayer reflects the depth of his faith as well as the character of God. That's the beautiful thing about Elijah's prayer right now. And here's one of the reasons why I'm saying this, okay? You know, I was, I was finishing up this message, um, you know, and I talked about the couple of times that I, 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 I just got nagged through it. There was just something really, I just felt the Spirit of God saying, you're missing something, you're missing something, you're missing something. And at the very end of it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to kind of close the book and, and talk a little bit about this. And then, and then I realized what it was. I, mean, I just felt the Spirit of God say, you know, this is what you missed. What really bothers me, and, and it, it did, it bothered me uh, when I finally realized it, is just how, how respectful Elijah is of Ahab. Like, I don't know about you, but it kind of bothers me in this particular passage. But he shows him deference. He shows him respect. Here's an absolutely evil man who we're going to find out even later on in the story is, you know, hasn't learned anything from the experience. And we're going to talk about that next week. Hasn't learned anything from the experience that has just happened. And, and things are just going to unravel even worse. But here's Elijah giving deference to this person, a form of respect, because he's still the king. And yet, he does so in a way that I think is really important to acknowledge. That what is happening in the life of Ahab, you know, Elijah's been used by God to demonstrate God's power, that the nation of Israel needs to walk away from idols, that the nation of Israel needs to acknowledge Yahweh as the Lord, that it's the covenant people of God, and all those kinds of things. And, and Elijah did, you know, in, in chapter 17, confront them and say, I'm not the problem. You are the problem. You and your family have turned the hearts of the people away from Yahweh. 
But at the same time, it's Elijah recognizing that it's the work of God to touch a person's heart, that he's used as a, a communication tool, as a witness to the power and the glory of Yahweh. But it's not his responsibility to turn his heart into you know, a, a follower of Yahweh. That that's, that's God going to be working in the life of Ahab to do that. You know, and that's, and that's part, I, I think that's witnessed as part of deference and as part of his prayer life concerning, concerning Ahab. You know, um, that Elijah's ultimate commitment is to the sovereignty of God. His ultimate commitment is to the Lord and to his plan and his purposes. Yes, he can speak truth into Ahab's life. He can certainly say this is wrong. And he did do that back in chapter 17. But at the same time, he's respectful of what God is doing in the midst and being used of God as God purposes his plans and how they're going to work out for the nation of Israel. And he's not forcing anything other than to recognize that Ahab has an opportunity in his own heart and his own life to come to faith. And all these things bear witness to the power of Yahweh. And if Ahab doesn't see it, it's to Ahab's detriment. And I think that's a really powerful point. I think at this particular time, there's, there's, there's opportunity for... Ahab to, to really give it to the king and, and sort of, you know, confront him in a way and derail him and, and be derogatory and, and all kinds of things and call him to account for everything that he's done. But he doesn't do that. And at the same time, he humbles himself before the Lord at a time when he could have easily been prideful about how God had used them in the first place. It talks a lot about the absolute humility of this man who is a prophet of God, but is honoring what God is doing in the midst and in the nation of Israel. You know, I, I don't know about you, but, but, but I, I would love my prayer life to be reflected in this way to recognize how important it is, what it is we pray, and what we believe about God when we pray. You know, going back to the book of James, you know, um, oh, I don't, in chapter 5, I didn't even have the reference. I had to do it from memory. I didn't write it down. Um, but chapter 5, I think it's verses 17 and 18, where... James writes this about Elijah. He said, Elijah was as human as we are. Now, I love that. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. I would love a prayer life like that, <laughs> wouldn't you? But Elijah was used mightily of God, I think because of his humility, because of his alignment 
with God's plans and purposes. And his prayer really reflects a heart of a man who sought the face of the Lord first and foremost and aligned himself with the plans and purposes of God in such a way, in such a way, that it made a difference in the world that he lived in. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our prayers were about God's plan and purposes, especially in very turbulent times that we live? It's not necessarily easy for many people today. But what if our prayers were having a sensitivity to what God is purposing through this particular time. And that we become, like Elijah, vessels that God uses for his honor, for his glory, for his purposes, and to see incredible things happen because the church with one heart is praying for the betterment of the society we live in and not for our rights or not for other things that are really secondary. What if we all had the heart of Elijah? We bowed our heads in prayer each and every day. I would, that would be the prayer life I would want to have. And that's the prayer life I seek to have. I pray it's the prayer life you long to have as well. May God bless you. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue the story of Elijah and I don't know about you, but I'm personally being challenged about the life of Elijah in the midst of a really difficult time. And you're not going to want to miss next week because we're going to look at a really low point in Elijah's life. So far, we've talked about all the victories. We've talked about the best parts of, of this prophet and how God used him. But if you're really struggling with your faith, if your faith is sort of at a very low point and you're wondering if you can go on any longer, if you're wondering, you know, what's all this mean? And, and you know, am I the only one in all of this? I want you to be here next week as we learn again from the life of Elijah when he really hit the bottom incredibly hard and what his relationship with God looked like because of it. I think there's so many people that are struggling right now because, because there's this sense in which because we have faith, we should be able to, to, you know, kind of run through this season and come out the other side okay. I'm not sure that's necessarily biblical. And we're going to look at next week what it means when we're at a low point in our lives. And we're going to look at that through the life of Elijah. All right? Hope you'll join us next week. Let me pray for you today. Okay? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Elijah. And, the, and, and Lord, the challenges that we are learning about in the life of this man who was used mightily of you. And Lord, his, his prayer here is a prayer totally devoted to you, to your honor, to your glory, to your plan, to your purposes. He recognized himself as a vessel that you were working through him. And Lord, that is 
such a powerful thing for us to acknowledge in our world and in our time today. So Lord, I want to pray for someone watching this morning and, and listening to this message that you would indeed encourage them, that you would indeed remind them that you care, that you love them, that you are within, within hearing distance of their prayers. And Lord, we, we pray that through this message, people will learn maybe to refine their prayers a little bit, to, to, to recognize who you are and why they're praying to you and how that reveals the depth of their faith. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge somebody today about an area that they need to suddenly remind themselves of and somewhere where they need to um, learn more about you and even to trust you more fully and deeper in the days that lie ahead. So Lord, we commit these things to you. We commit this message to you and we pray that someone today will have been touched by this message in a way that will transform their heart and align them closer to yours. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.